Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. All right. Hello. You came, Hola. You came in like a hurricane. This I did. Morning. I came in like a hurricane. Is that a song? I don't, no. I don't think so. Shoot, I think what is just, that song? I think you just went, I don't know. Oh, oh it's a wrecking ball. Wrecking ball. Oh my <laughs> okay. gosh. Well, You're channeling sorry, some, Miley. some Miley Cyrus there. <laughs> so today we're talking, I'm excited about this topic. Yeah, because more it quality keeps, of life. It more keeps coming up. Yeah. It keeps coming up. Yeah. It keeps coming up. So we're talking about aesthetic flat closure for people who want to go flat either yeah. As part of their initial reconstruction or after the fact. Did you, know? you ever did you ever consider going flat? I didn't, but I'll be honest with you, it wasn't broached with me by my plastic surgeon. Oh, it was no, just same. Yeah, it was just kind of like here's your options for reconstruction. It wasn't. Yeah. it wasn't like you can choose. You know, flat wasn't a reconstruction option, and I think it should have been. Yeah, here are your options. You can go flat. This is what that entails. You yeah. could do implants. That's what this entails. Or you could do a tissue flap. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, I didn't. Huh. But only because I don't think that I ever was given the option yeah which will kind of maybe dive since into. my reconstruction i feel like it's come up in my brain a little bit more like oh i wonder if you had it all to do again would you have done this i, I, mean, I think especially when i woke up for my expanders i was like this sucks i know but your boobs look so great oh thank you i i don't know i don't know but i'm i'm interested to talk to our guest today because she is a scientist artist mother of two and founder of not putting on a shirt Kim decided to go flat in 2017 as part of her breast cancer treatment plan, but her plastic surgeon intentionally left her with excess tissue to facilitate reconstruction. Kim decided to go public with her story when she realized that flat denial is a systemic problem requiring institutional change, and she decided to invest in pursuing equal access to women for flat closure. So today, we're going to talk to Kim about why she decided to go flat and then what aesthetic flat closure is and how she felt when her desires were ignored by her surgeon rude <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> and then how she founded not putting on a shirt and what she wants women to know about their rights with flat closure but before we introduce kim let's hear from our first sponsor hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment the emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at www.coldcap.com. And we're back. Welcome, Kim. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Beth. Appreciate it. Of course. Let's talk first, Kim, about what aesthetic flat closure is so people yeah. kind of know what we're going to talk about today. Can you kind of explain it? 
Sure. So when you choose not to have reconstruction after your mastectomy, oftentimes if your surgeon doesn't take extra time to do contouring, which means taking care of all the excess skin and fat that's left over after the mastectomy is done, if they don't take the time to do that, then you can be left with a result where you have lumps and bumps, you know, hanging extra tissue, just an uncomfortable and unsightly result. So aesthetic flat closure is the contouring work after the mastectomy that results in a nice, clean, smooth, flat closure, a flat, smooth chest wall. So you were diagnosed in 2017. Did you immediately know that you wanted to stay flat or was that a, a decision that you came to over time? Yes. So I had chemo before surgery. So I had about five months to make my surgical decision. And during that time, initially, I was sort of deciding between mastectomy or lumpectomy. And when lumpectomy was taken off the table, I immediately knew that I wanted to go flat and have both breasts taken off. And did you at that time, did you understand, you know, what would be necessary to give you, I mean, did you know that you wanted a, a truly flat aesthetic or were you just kind of going by what the doctor was telling you was possible and you just went in kind of, because I feel yeah. like, I feel like a lot of us when we're in that, we're just taking what they say and we're going with it because mm-hmm. we're in that fight or flight mode and we're just, we're just taking them you know, at their word, at their word and we're yeah. just going with it. Right. And, and it's not until later that we recognize that maybe we were missing out on some pieces. What was the, what was the case for you in that? Yeah. A, a lot of times, and you know, we should be able to trust our doctors to, you know, know all of our options and know the ins and outs. Right. And if we say we don't want reconstruction, then by, by we should automatically get an aesthetic flat closure. Right. Mm-hmm. It should be the standard. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's not the standard. And a lot of times women are left with a, a, a suboptimal result. In my case, what happened was I actually had a plastic surgeon on my team whose only job it was to do the contouring work after the mastectomy. So I had a co-surgeon. I had the breast surgeon doing the mastectomy and a plastic surgeon doing the flat closure. And the plastic surgeon decided uh, on purpose, intentionally, to leave extra skin in case I changed my mind about implants. Those are his words. In case you change your mind. I find that but, so interesting that, that that he would make the assumption that, you know, there's a chance that you will change your mind. And, you know, when you express your wishes going into it. I, I would think that would be a huge liability for them to ignore a patient's yeah. choice and do what they feel is in your best interest instead of what you've stated you wanted. I mean, how is that not a huge liability for the medical system? Right. It is. Unfortunately, there's no mechanism for accountability. So even though it's in my medical record that I wanted to be flat at that time, there was no medical term for what I wanted. Aesthetic Mm. flat closure is a new term that I actually worked with the National Cancer Institute to get on the books in 2020. Yeah, I believe it was. My surgery was in 2017. And the reason that I did that as part of my ongoing advocacy work with not my organization, not putting on a shirt was because of my experience with what happened to me with my Mm. surgeon. So do you think that the reason that reconstruction is so heavily encouraged or why this doctor took it upon himself to leave you that extra skin? Do you think he had good intentions? Like he just genuinely thought that you were going to have regret and wanted to leave you options? Or do you think that it's it's lack of knowledge on how to perform the procedure. You know, do you think he I mean, in your case, he he blatantly said, right, I've decided to do this because I, I think you might change your mind. Do you think most surgeons are doing it? So according to my research, most of the time, well, it's about half and half, about half the time when women get a, a really bad outcome 
women who choose to go flat get a bad outcome. About half the time it's because of lack of skill. Mm-hmm. And the other half of the time it's because um, the surgeon thought they would change their mind about implants. It might be more like one to two, a ratio of one to two. You know, we need better research on this, but it's both. It's both. In my, in my case, it was intentional. He had the skill, but he decided against my consent that I was going to change my mind about implants. So here's a mm. question. If somebody gets an aesthetic flat closure that they're happy with, and then let's just say that they do change their mind and decide they want reconstruction, is it literally too late to do that at that point? Nope. You can get autologous flap reconstruction. If you're a candidate for that, you can still get that. You might have some additional as uh, there might be like a cosmetic penalty. So you might have a little bit less of an highly high quality aesthetic result if you did if you chose to do that at a later time mm-hmm. versus having immediate like an immediate deep flap for example so they call that a cosmetic penalty there might be a small cosmetic penalty but you can huh. still you're still you can still do that and are um, implants for, on the table or no at that point it depends on your situation so if you get radiation mm-hmm. you may not be that may be contraindicated because trying to put an expander in irradiated tissue is not usually a great idea. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing is that, I mean, Sarah and I are always going to say, uh, your choice, you, you get what you want, right? This morning, actually, I messaged my plastic surgeon and asked him about if he does this because Mm -hmm. he's kind of like, I really like my plastic surgeon, but he said that he doesn't perform there very often. And most of the time, if, if a woman chooses to do it from the get go, that he kind of leans heavily on the breast surgeon but he says more often than not, what he sees is women choosing that as the get off the he's, he uses a lot of analogies, but the get off the train, like a woman chooses to do this after they are ready to have their implants taken out. OK. Yes. Yeah. That's really common. A lot yeah. of women go flat after explant. That's a yeah. huge population of women that we serve and support. But and that's what but I, he that's said, what which I, I think we're going to get to. He said a lot of times the insurance won't cover that. Explanting? So, yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, a lot yeah, of so. times insurance pushes back. Yeah, but there, the right plastic surgeon will be prepared to deal with the denial and appeals process. Mm, interesting. I mean that that <laughs> we're going to talk about insurance on another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot it's a of whole other situation. It, yeah, that, that's a whole other situation that does not reflect highly upon the insurance company. But so the office does need to be super proactive and advocating for their patient and working through the insurance process. And that, that is something that I always look for with offices. Like, are they willing to do that work or are they just trying to move on to the next case? Because I think it's a, it's a hard fight when somebody is like, I'm here, I'm fighting for what I want choice wise in my reconstruction or, or my flat choice. And and then on top of it, I also have to fight for the insurance. Like it just feels like it just, Mm. and then it's always, and then it'll stop, you know, it might stop somebody who's, you know, like not prepared or not up for the fight, especially if they're in the middle of treatment, like I'm not up for another fight. And then they end up doing something that they regret. And like, you know, yeah, they count on it. They're They're, they're not, we can't go down the rabbit hole with insurance, but they count on it. They're Mm -hmm. like a lawyer who will just exhaust you with, you know, appeals and processes and things until you are mentally incapable of going any further. And they count on you to just give up and give in, and and that's the unfortunate part with it. Can so. we touch on this just from the from the get go? Because I think that I know we've talked about what a, what an aesthetic flat closure is, but for some women who maybe are at the beginning of their journey and trying to decide what they're doing, what would it be like to not have aesthetic flat clo- flat closure? And then if you just had a mastectomy, 
you may be left with extra skin and fat, especially under your arms. You might have like uh, like a lump of tissue under your arms that makes it uncomfortable for you to put your arms down, makes it uncomfortable for you to wear a bra, makes it uncomfortable for you to wear prosthetics. You might have extra tissue at what's called your inframammary fold, which is like that under boob area, mm-hmm. you know, where your breast meets your chest wall. Mm-hmm. If you have that remaining, it can make it hard to wear prosthetics. I experienced being really concave. Like my, yes. I was I was flat on one side for six months before I did my reconstruction. And it it was kind of surprising to me how much my bottom ribs stuck out versus the chest underneath my breast tissue. Concavity is something that is tough to address because it's very different for different women. Some women mm-hmm. have no concavity. Some women have really severe concavity and it's tough to know ahead of time. It's also mm-hmm. tough to address surgically because the surgeon can take away extra tissue, but they can't necessarily add bulk. Mm-hmm. You know, they can rearrange some of the tissues over the mastectomy site to sort of reduce concavity. But again, those are those are more advanced plastic surgery techniques. They can also do fat grafting at a later time to fill in mm-hmm. those sort of holes, fill in those areas. But again, that's more surgery. And a lot of women going flat don't want more surgery. So concavity is sort of a, its own beast. So that's separate from from this flat closure. I think at this time, it's defined separately. Okay. We're sort of in a no man's land with exactly what defines a good quality aesthetic flat closure. It's not really well defined at this point, even in the literature. It's just starting to be defined. Mm-hmm. I guess because when I think of it, I think of like like a little boy or a, a little girl, somebody who doesn't have it, hasn't grown any breast tissues and they're completely flat. So it's this I isn't think, the difference yeah. between being concave and being flat. I think most people would agree with you. I think we have anatomic constraints when we're talking about, you know, an amputation. We have anatomic constraints that come into play. And so mm. the question is, what is a realistic outcome? Mm, okay. And that's a question that is unanswered at this point. Gotcha. I, I want to kind of get into how you felt when you first saw your chest after your surgery and your physician, you know, denied your choice in terms of what you were looking for. But before we do that, you want to do Boobs in the News? Let's do it. Boobs in the News is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. You ready for this one? Lay it on me. All right. I want to know how you feel about this. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. So the title of this, this is from the mirror. It says, my neighbor's kids let themselves into my house and their parents don't see a problem. Oh, just let them let their, let themselves in? They literally oh, let themselves in. So his daughter is three years old. Okay. And she's got like two or three friends in the neighborhood who are also three or four. Mm-hmm. He goes on to say that he doesn't really feel comfortable letting her play unsupervised, but the mm-hmm. other parents don't seem to mind it. Mm-hmm. And so their kids will run around and play with each other and mm-hmm. stuff. And... They have apparently an open three, like three and four. That's, that seems really that's young, young for that, unsupervised. I, I, I mean, I I'm all for some unsupervised play because I feel like at some point you kind of need to let. I mean, unsupervised, the leash out. unsupervised for me is like, like they're they're eight. over and they're playing unsupervised in another room. They're not oh, they're not wondering. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah. he's saying you know I mean they're going into neighbors' houses so they're yeah. very unsupervised at three. Yeah. Oh. So he was asking basically like, does anybody else think this is strange that they literally let themselves into my house? And so yeah. he was talking about how the parents kind of brushed it off like it's not that big of a deal. We have an open door policy in our neighborhood. That's just how we all operate. Oh. And he was just like. 
like, well, is that in their indentures? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But he was saying that one day, like he worked out of the house and his daughter wasn't even home. And he came downstairs from his office for a break. And there were a couple little girls playing (laughs) in his daughter's toys in the family room. And so he went and returned the child to the parents. And the parents were just like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, that's how our neighborhood is. So my question to you is, you think that's okay? Mm -mm. I mean, thank goodness he was clothed. Like, what happens <laughs> I know. if these kids are coming into a house and they're kind of like, you know, we're open door, open clothes policy. Right. You know? I mean, seriously. Or what if this guy was not on the up and up? <laughs> Can you just... Im- I'm just... A, I'm issue. imagining walking into my kitchen and there's like a couple people eating cereal at the counter or something. Like, <laughs> like where did you come from? <laughs> I, I will say that I have had that happen once where a neighbor literally was in my kitchen when <laughs> I came down the stairs. Like a kid? No. A, a, a na- neighbor? Like a neighbor. Like a grown adult. What? It was shocking. Yeah. It was really disconcerting. What so, were they doing there? Borrowing a couple sugar? I don't want to say anymore because oh, what if, they, don't listen, incur- what if yeah. they listen and then yeah. they, I out them, you know, and then they, you know. It, it, I mean, but, they're already going to know who they are if they listen. I have a thing about people being too familiar too soon anyway. Uh, yes. Like I'm a boundaries person, so I don't ever like it when people are too familiar, mm-hmm. you know, without there being a genuine understanding between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm anal like that. So this idea <laughs> is just like, uh, you know, I know they're little kids, right? Yeah. But, and they don't know. Their parents, they're taking their leave yeah. from their parents. But yeah. I, for personally, I just think it's rude. I I agree. It's I the agree. parents. It's yeah. like, I think the boobs are the parents. Yeah. Well, the parents are the ones setting the example. So, right. Yeah. They're saying this is okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a, that's a crazy one. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. All right. There's your boobs. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. So we're back. I want to know, how did you feel when you first saw your chest after surgery? I mean, you went in thinking you were going to get one thing. You came out, you know, getting something entirely different. What was that like? Yeah, I was absolutely devastated. I knew that I was going to have to have additional surgery. And the entire reason that I went flat in the first place was to avoid additional surgery. I was I was devastated. I think there's so many. We, it's kind of like death of a thousand paper cuts, right? Mm-hmm. It's like these little micro traumas mm-hmm. that come from the diagnosis, you know, and they can show up in various ways, right? Like, oh, if you get a double mastectomy, you don't need radiation. And then, oh, never mind. We changed our mind. You do need radiation. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, you know, you're going to go in and you're going to get this result. Oh, I'm sorry. There was a complication. Yeah, know? but I think I think even more so in Kim's situation, just to wake up and then somebody else made a decision for you. Well, that's what I was going to say. To wake up and have trusted your doctor to implement your will and then mm-hmm. and then to wake up and realize that he took that choice from you and, mm-hmm. and exerted his own will is just yeah. like a whole new level mm-hmm. of disrespect and just grotesque incompetence so what was that like talking to your surgeon after your surgery yeah i mean were you kind of timid about it or did you come at him full force (laughs) it took me a couple of weeks to fully accept what had happened because i was so i was sort of in denial at first that a surgeon would actually do that i mean when i was on the operating table i heard him say i'll just leave a little extra in case you change your mind i heard him say those words as i was being put under the anesthesia (sighs) Um, so there was no no real question in my mind that he had done it on purpose Uh but I mean it was just so hard to accept I I had been through so much trauma already with chemo and then on top of that losing my breasts my life was at risk you know I had two small children I had an infant and a toddler it was just an extremely hard time for me and he lied about it Mm -hmm. I asked him you know this doesn't look flat you know what's going on and he said it'll tighten up Mm -mm. no And of course, it never tightened up because 
as everyone knows, skin loosens over time. It doesn't uh-huh. tighten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Wow, what a terrible time. I-, I can just imagine you kind of like going under from the anesthesia and then like your brain can't think in that moment, but being like, no, as no. <laughs> you close your eyes. Yeah, I actually no. said that. I said, no, make it flat. And then I made some stupid joke about don't yeah. get breast cancer, guys, it sucks. And then I conked out and oh, that was it. Geez. I had lost my I had lost my chance to be done in one surgery. So did he did he do a revision for you? Did you go somewhere else? How did you Oh God, I would never let that guy touch me ever again. Right. No. I was gonna say, I guess I went there because I thought, you know, it seems like sometimes it's easier to get a revision covered if it's the same surgeon. So I didn't know if you had to take on extra expense or have to go through extra things with insurance to go to a new doctor. I went to a new doctor. My insurance luckily was good about it. I It took me three years to finally pull the trigger on an additional surgery because I just really didn't want yeah. additional surgery. Oh, um, so true. So it took me three years to finally get the revision. And when I did, I ended up getting a post-op infection because we were now operating on irradiated tissue, which has trouble healing. Mm -hmm. And I was in the hospital on IV antibiotics for a week. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the complications and think about this, if it, if, if it had just been done the way that you wanted Mm -hmm. at that time, you could have avoided all of it. Would have been a lot simpler. Right. And cost the health, you know, like cost less. I mean, when Mm -hmm. we were talking about insurance, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you know what what insurance cares about is cost, Mm -hmm. cost containment. Mm -hmm. And when you have additional surgeries with additional, you know, with infections, you know, and there's risks every time you go under anesthesia, you would think they would take the long view, right? Mm -hmm. And and work with the patient to make sure that they get what they need from the get go. But I'm so sorry that happened. I, it's honestly shocking. I know this is in 2017 and, and everything changes at the speed of light. And I want to get into all your advocacy because the amount of progress that you've made on this subject in the medical community is astounding. Well, not just not yeah. just me. It's There's been many other advocates that have built, paved the way also. What prompted you to start your nonprofit not putting on a shirt? It was after I had spent a year trying to get the hospital where this happened to me to take action to prevent it from happening to other women and they failed to take action it was after that that i decided that this was a systemic problem that needed you know to be addressed and so i staged a topless sit-in at the ceo's office this was a nice are you serious that's amazing (sighs) yep and i got it caught on facebook live so the the cops dragged me out of the CEO's office. And then I started protesting on the sidewalk because that's public property. They can't drag you off there. <laughs> nice. Girl, um, I, I just want to take a minute on this because you tried to take, you know, the proper, you tried to go through the proper, ch- the proper, right? In uh, quotes, channel, the channels, right? To get them to sit there and take accountability and responsibility and do the right thing by what happened to you. They refused to do so. Shocker. Uh-huh. And then you exerted your your right to sit there Amazing. and say unacceptable. It for so Sarah and I are always talking to women about you need to be empowered to advocate for yourself. Nobody's gonna do it for you. And that's right. You took that to a whole new level. I, I love am, it. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I had to do something so that they couldn't sweep it under the rug because that's what they were trying to do. Uh-huh. And the thing about it is, you know, and as the research later showed, I'm not the only person that this happens to. This happens mm-hmm. to women all the time. Mm-hmm. It happens to about one in 20 women who choose to go flat. They're intentionally denied a flat closure by a surgeon who believes they'll change their mind. That's way too frequent 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, if the only reason it continues to happen is because women don't speak up about it. So I had to do something. Yeah. I'm astounded. This is amazing. I love it. So you get dragged away in handcuffs. What happened after that? <laughs> well, I, luckily I wasn't in handcuffs, but I did get dragged out. <laughs> no, she got she got relocated to the sidewalk. There you go. I yeah. did. Yeah. I got relocated. Let's make it a little yeah. bit more public hospital. Use your brain. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. The, the PR was bad for them. I bet. I did get on the Today Show. Yes. And... So I was able to have a public forum to speak about it, which was good. Got a lot of media attention, you know, founded the organization as a 501c3, grew the organization. We, you know, recruited a board, um, recruited an advisory council. We have a website. We have a surgeon's directory, flat-friendly surgeon's directory. It, you Eventually guys... transitioned away from protesting on the sidewalk <laughs> and more towards institutional advocacy work and research. Mm. Yeah, we're going to give your contact information. It's not putting on a shirt.org, correct? Yes. Okay, we'll we'll say it again at the end, but I I can't tell you guys how much information's on there. If you want to go flat and you want to know everything there is to know about, you know, aesthetic flat closure and what your options are, the website is so helpful. She does have a directory of physicians that are performing aesthetic flat closure. There's lots of information. We were talking offline. I found an article called Not Just a Linear Closure, Aesthetic Flat Closure After Mastectomy by Dr. Nolan Karp. It's on their website and it's a great tool. Or actually, is it on your website? Is that is that yeah, on your it's actual- listed on it's listed on the provider resources article section. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I got it on prsglobalopen.com too. But it's an excellent thing to take in to your doctor and hand them and say, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. And they may not, you know, to your earlier point, Half don't understand how to do the procedure and half are just denying, you know, denying the opportunity. So it's a great tool to take, you know, when you go into there. But I would definitely recommend you check out the website for anybody that's listening that is, you know, considering it. You mentioned that a lot of the women are taking their implants out and opting to go flat later. Something that we see from a Mm -hmm. lot of women is just they're so exhausted from the complications of the reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Either they're not satisfied with the result or they're just getting infections after mm-hmm. infection. They're suffering necrosis. I mean, it's just for some of these mm-hmm. women, it's an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the idea of going flat for some of them is is scary. scary. Yeah. And I think that, you know, having a resource like this and having people who have mm-hmm. been there done that and can give them the best result possible is just so empowering for them yep. and can really help kind of alleviate some of that trauma of what they've been through. Mm-hmm. But I'm not surprised at all to hear that most of these women are taking their implants out because there's just there's so much that comes with that that people don't realize. Right. It's a really hard situation to be in and it's hard to find a surgeon who will do your explant and flat closure in the correct way that you want. I would recommend to anyone who's considering explant explanting to flat that they join the Facebook group Fierce Flat Forward. It's a peer support group online that's associated with our nonprofit run by our vice president Christy Avila. It's a great way to get uh, get support and from women who've been there and get more information about going flat and what it's like to live flat and things like that. It's a great resource. For, for any doctors that are listening, because we do have a fair number of physicians that listen to the podcast, can you kind of talk briefly before we close out about what the coding is for aesthetic flat closure? Because when I was doing research for this, it was it was so hard to find a doctor that said they did this procedure. We found one 
you know, we're in the St. Louis metro area. I found one that says they do it. But a lot of offices said, oh, there's no code for that. Insurance won't cover it. Can you kind of dispel some of the myths that exist and maybe what the coding is for people listening? Sure. So we actually have a web page on this at notputtingonashirt.org slash coding. There is no unique CPT code, which is a reimbursement code for insurance. There is no unique code for flat closure at this, at this point. Most surgeons use one of two codes to, for reimbursement. They use 1430X, where X depends on the surgical field size. If, if the procedure involves tissue rearrangement, which means that's what we were talking about, where you take some of the extra tissue mm-hmm. around the mastectomy site and you reorganize it to, to minimize concavity. That's what mm-hmm. tissue rearrangement is. So it's 1430X. And if, if the procedure does not involve tissue rearrangement, then typically it's a scar revision code 1310X. So those are the two codes that are typically used. And then fat grafting, of course, is a later procedure that would be a separate code. You can go to the website and click on the... For, resources for providers. And there's a coding page that discusses all about it on the website. Nice. All right. Before we close out and let people know, I want you to kind of give your last thoughts to women listening, what you want them to know, and then we'll give your website one more time. But before we do that, let's hear from our second sponsor. Innsbruck Resort is a proud sponsor of the Faith Through Fire Respite House and the Besties with Breasties podcast. We know you work hard, but at Innsbruck, we also know you want to disconnect from what's stressing you out and reconnect with the important things in your life. Innsbruck makes it easy by offering lakefront living and vacationing less than 45 minutes from St. Louis. Vacation homes, golf, swimming, nature trails, fun events, and more. Take a drive and discover Innsbruck. Visit innsbruck-resort.com. All right, we are back. Um, So Kim, why don't you share with everybody how they can get in touch with your organization, where they can find you on the web? Yeah, so our our website is notputtingonashirt.org. We're on social media at notputtingonashirt and then on Twitter at not underscore shirt. I would like to just say, you know, most women who go flat are satisfied with their outcome. I don't want to, you know, put forth the idea that you should be afraid if you're going flat that you're going to you're going to get denied a close your flat closure that it's you're it's inevitable. No. You know, about 3 quarters of the time women are satisfied. But you are your own advocate. You are your own best advocate. Mm-hmm. And particularly if you have larger breasts or if you're larger bodied, it's in your best interest to make sure you interview your surgeon and ask very specific questions about how they will get you a nice, flat, aesthetic closure. And if they, if they seem unsure or if they're not answering your questions to, their, to your satisfaction, ask if they'll bring on a plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. Because that's a person who specializes in aesthetic surgery. And those people have the skill set for sure. Yeah. So awesome. so like our, most episodes, you are your best advocate and, and always feel empowered to, you know, make the choices that are right for you. Right. Yeah, that's perfect. right. And never be afraid to seek a second opinion. If totally. you know, listen to your intuition, if you're if you really feel you aren't being heard, get that second opinion. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kim, for being here. We really appreciate it. Keep up the good work. You're amazing. Yes, Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Till next time, guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Leave us a voicemail or share your own experience on bestieswithbreastiespodcast.com. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmes. Audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies. 